We don't usually have murder on our podcast here. I read an article about the late Miami Hurricane football player Brian Pata, who was murdered in 2006, I believe. Sent a link to it to Dr. Tyler. He read it too. We both found it pretty interesting and wanted to, to talk about it a bit on the air. It's an unsolved murder. He was 22 years old, potential to be a mid-round draft pick in that upcoming NFL draft. He was a guy that was into, reno- uh, what would you call it, renovating or rebuilding cars yeah, um, and selling the them. That? Restoring. There we go. There you go, restoring. You can tell that we're big yes. car guys. I mean, I have seven muscle cars and I only have I don't one, know, so... a new car for every day. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so Dr. Tyler, what was your what was your thoughts when you were reading that article when you, you know, just give us your impression. Um so first off, this I had never heard of this. And as someone who enjoys not only like NFL football but college football, I was shocked that I had never heard of it. I've never once heard of this story before, and whoever wrote it, uh, it's it's on ESPN. Um, it's written by Paula Levine and Elizabeth Merrill. And first off, I have to say kudos to those two women on this story because I thought it was very well done. Um, Agreed. I I started reading it, didn't stop reading it. Yeah, it, it, was, it done. was really good. It was good. And it took me, I don't know, uh, it probably took me 20 to 30 minutes to like read it because I... It was so well written that I was like, I want to know like every detail of what happened with this. Like, like you said, he was between a second to third round pick um, and just uh, out of the middle of nowhere is killed. And they still don't know who killed him. And so, um, I, I mean, it, First, so first off is very well written, very intriguing, and I I was really surprised that I had never heard of this case before. Had you heard it prior to reading the the story about it? You know what I I have heard of it um, because I'm I'm kind of interested in in like you were saying like I'm interested in college football things. We're both interested in sports documentaries that kind of thing. I've gotten into reading like um, college players or sports players that died during their career type of a thing. And, and I did come up across Brian Patum and Pata many times, but I remember when it happened, I remember it being on ESPN briefly, but it seems like the type of thing that should be like all over the ticker and, and on sports center and all this stuff. But it seemed like it was really brushed under the rug in a way. Um, you know what? I haven't heard anything about it for many years. Uh, like if you, if you go to Wikipedia and search in Brian Pata, it's pretty bare bones about the story. So the two writers of that article, I mean, they did a great job in painting a picture of a story 
one of the things that I always hate when I see a long article that I'm interested in is when the journalist is sitting there talking about like what the people are doing. Oh, he's sitting on the couch. He rustles his paper as he picks up his cup of coffee and takes a long hour. Like, I don't care. I don't want to hear any of that stuff. And they didn't mess with that. No. You know, there it was like fact, fact, yep. fact, 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 story, fact, fact, fact. And it was like, this is awesome. So I am I'm happy that that exists, that they put that out there. If you even search YouTube, you're not going to find hardly anything except maybe a news clip or two of, of coverage. And I don't really know why. I mean, I think part of it is 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 race. I, I hate to say it, but um, Miami, I don't know if you've ever been to the University of Miami, but it's it's just in a horrible neighborhood horrible area like you leave that you're in bad neighborhoods you're in bad areas Miami Hurricanes football has history of being kind of on the edge of of legal and illegal and rough play and fighting and this and that I, I think that a combination of like race location history of the football program all play and the fact that he wasn't a first rounder I bet you anything if he was like a top 10 talent it'd be a big deal but he wasn't he's just like another guy and he hadn't made it to the pros yet he really wasn't dominant if you look at his stats he was more of like a he is a high ceiling type guy like he's not there yet but he's got a ceiling and i don't know but i think that kind of played into it not being a big deal um and of course you know you have the fact that the case is unsolved um I wanted to kind of go back to what you said is that, you know, you were saying that they don't know who did it, but I would argue they know exactly who did it. They just don't have any physical evidence right. to do anything yeah. about it. And that's why the case, that's why a case like this just sits and nothing happens because they're not going to waste any more money investigating anything else. If they're certain that they've figured it out, they just can't they literally can't prove it in court. The person they think yeah. did it right there at the scene of the crime right and i think that happens so much more than the public realizes and if that can't happen it, like the da could could look at the case and look at what they have and say i can't stick i can't make this right. stick you need to bring me the gun uh confession fingerprints dna something fiber something has to be there to link this it, it can't be just what is now and it's just circumstantial evidence but why don't we explain kind of what happened <clears throat> i'll try and do a little rundown of that unless you want to give it a shot um yes all right yes. so okay um so brian pata 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 i i I think, I think it's, it's Pata. Pata. Um, like we've said, projected second, third round draft pick is le at least what they what they say in the article. Um, one day uh, is going go gets home from practice. It's nighttime. Um, he get he he drove an Infinity, which I thought was very interesting. It talked about how his how he had a, a quote unquote agent. Um, that was kind of, um, I don't know, would you say feeding him money? Um, obviously illegal because that's not, you can't do that as a college player. But, um, you know, was getting money from an agent 
like you said, Miami Hurricane football has always been on the cusp of like, do we do we really believe what's happening here, or um, are they, you know, are these guys getting paid very kind of I don't know, you almost call it corrupt uh, for a college football team. They they have always been on the edge, you know, the Michael Irvin's. Um, I can't re- you've probably seen the U documentaries that were on ESPN. There was, you know, cocaine stuff flying around in the 80s and 90s, probably continues today. Um, but anyway, so Brian Peta gets home uh, and is shot through pretty much the temple of his head and they cannot figure out who did it. There's a team meeting with one player in particular that is not there. Um, and it seems very, I can't remember what his name was. What is, uh, was it Deshaun something? Um, let's see. Um, his last name is Jones. I took a bunch of notes and I don't believe I wrote his first name down. It was either Rashawn, Rashawn Jones. or Deshaun. Yeah. Rashawn, Rashawn Jones. Okay. Um, and I mean, we're in 2000, this is 2006. There's like one single shot and there's like this two minute window of where he was alone and where he was with people. I think he had just dropped off some teammates at home. Um, he pulled into his parking spot, is shot in the parking lot. And then there's this the police are called they show up they try to save him one of his teammates is actually right there at the scene as well not i think he said if he had shown up 30 seconds earlier they probably would have caught yeah i think he was a minute or yeah, two behind exactly you're right he did say and that so yes. i mean it, all of a sudden there's like no evidence all they have is like the bullet i think that they recovered from his head if I'm not mistaken, he's just laying in the parking lot, bleeding out. Um, and I'm sure he was dead the minute he was shot, just from the placement that they say that it was at. Um, yeah. But they, you know, they look you know, at girlfriend, they look at ex-girlfriend, they look at girlfriend's brother, and they all have uh, people that bought cars from him even that I think were in Missouri and Washington. He had sold some, some yeah. bum cars uh, with allegedly yeah. stolen rims. I mean, it, they looked at, they looked at all kinds of people. Also there were, there were club fights, if I'm not mistaken, that he was quite a uh, few. That he was, and some of them involved gang right. members. And there was at one point where there was a hit put out on him and he called um, the member of the gang who'd put out the hit. He's, if I remember right, the quote was like, my people know his people. And so that hit allegedly was, was not, um, it, it was wiped out, taken away, whatever you want to call it. Sure. And then all of a sudden, they're, they, you know, that night they have this team meeting. Everybody's there except for one player, and that's Rashawn Jones, who he had fought with multiple times because Dan, 
he dated his ex-girlfriend. Yes. So, so Rashawn Jones was dating the current girlfriend of Brian Pata before Pata, and I think her name was Crosby. Um, was it Bodie? I, f- I forget what her name was. Um, Jada, one thing I wanted to to Jada Brody. Well, I was just thinking of Brody. Okay, Brody. Um, one thing that I wanted to go back to that you had mentioned was that they did define the slug in his skull. But from what I read into the article, kind of in between the lines, they didn't determine what caliber it was, which would tell me that there was no, no casing found at the scene. They couldn't tip. Which would heavily suggest a revolver. Okay. Yeah. It could very well be a revolver because a pistol in that amount of time to shoot and find the casing, um, and pick it up and then, you know, not leave any evidence whatsoever. Yeah. Yep. That, that hadn't dawned on me, but I think you're probably right. It could have been a very, a, a revolver. Um, yeah. And you know, they, they, from my experience living in Baltimore, um, a 38 special, a cheap gun is really, really easy and really cheap to get in the hood. It's really cheap to get a 38. You can just get one that has five shells in it. That's all you get for, you know, 30, 40 bucks. You commit something like this and you chuck it. And, you know, a couple times in the article, they mentioned how this looked like a professional hit. And I just wanted to scream at them because in Baltimore City, there's absolutely nothing professional about what they're doing as the drug dealers there. It's like the Wild West in Baltimore City. But they've perfected what's called the walk-by, where somebody just comes walking down the street, casually walking, and then just pulls out a gun right as they get to somebody and shoots them right in the head. And it's like nobody knows. It's not a drive-by. It's not this dramatic thing. And then the shooter just runs away. So all they have to do is get close enough and pull the trigger. It's really not that difficult. And it doesn't take that much intelligence or experience to do that. You can have somebody that's never shot a gun before in their life be successful at that type of murder if somebody doesn't see it coming or if they've planned enough of where they're going to stand type of a thing. But, you know, they said that the girlfriend heard arguing before the gunshot that night. That would lead me to kind of think that Pata knew or was not afraid of the assailant. So whether the gun was out or not, Pata was still willing to be a little bit aggressive. And then one thing that I found that I wanted to link to that, which was very interesting, is a couple of Pata's teammates, I think the guys that he drove home, actually. Yes. I'd have to look back at that. If it was the guys that drove home, that would mean that this occurred in the car right before his murder. But Brian Pata was on the phone with Rashawn Jones that night arguing. I think you're right, yeah. And... And they said it was a pretty heated argument. I'm pretty sure it was the guys that he drove home. So now that I'm thinking about that, that even that, that's even worse for Jones. That shows that right before this man was murdered, he was arguing with this guy on the phone no more than five to ten minutes earlier. Let's see. It's uh, um, on the phone records. Um, yeah. Let's, it says just before... Pata left, which uh, they were. He was leaving the university because they were just done with practice. 
And so right before right. he left, he said, Chris, uh, a tight end named Chris Zellner overheard him engaged in a heated phone call. Um, he, he said, I wasn't really trying to eavesdrop. I just remember him talking about, like, if you want, if you want, man, come see me then. Um, yeah. But that was... So maybe it was not in the car, but maybe it was right before he yeah, got in the car. And then, so he, just, it says... Can you see, was that, was the same teammate? The one that he gave a ride home to? Um, says, as Pat steered his SUV out of the parking lot, he saw teammate Josh Holmes and several other underclassmen waiting at a bus stop and offered them a ride to the dorms. Holmes said they laughed and talked about proc- uh, practice tapping fists with Pata as, or tapping fists as Pata dropped them off. Um, so he dropped them off. It says it was dark as he drove five, four miles home. Um, Hendricks, uh, I don't remember his first name, um, but he was uh, headed home too, but he had to stop for gas. Um, okay. It says he talked to his brother Fednall on the phone. Seemed like he was in a good mood. They talked about a car um, that they were fixing, and he said uh, the brother said he heard wind blowing while his brother was speaking, and then suddenly the call dropped. Um Okay. I think I know what that is. I think that's him getting out of the car. Probably. You're in Miami. So you're in, you're in the car. There's no wind. You get out of the car. The wind is on you. Maybe it's a few, few steps. And then he sees the shooter. And he just puts the phone yeah. down. And then... I mean, I, that's, I, I think his brother like literally almost... With, like was an audio witness to it he very well could have been it said that uh he his assigned parking space was near a dumpster and some shrubbery and um you're right the lady said she thought she heard an argument she left the apartment walked down to the parking lot and that's where she discovered her boyfriend unresponsive um right and then she so, she went back so called nine one one and it was about right then that the Hendrix teammate pulled up and he tried to do CPR mm-hmm. talk to the uh, the phone or talked on the phone to the nine one one you can actually listen to that phone call um, and then Pata's mom showed up I think like ten minutes later and then um, but yeah so whoever did it had to have known that he was like going to be alone for that time. Um, And it was a very brief second. I would argue that like, yeah, it it was, but I mean, whoever did it knew that he was on his way home or knew that he would be there at that time or would try to get him there. You have to know what his spot was was too, I would think. Right. But I think he was by the stairs I think he was kind of in the common area. So, like, he made it from his car. I don't know what the walk would have been to that area. So we have no idea how much time elapsed or, or whatnot. It's interesting to it me. It does seem like. just This just came to my mind. I'm sorry to interrupt you. She heard yeah. an argument, but she didn't hear a gunshot. Yeah, that's, it's strange, but you know, like if, uh, let's even say we don't know much about that caliber. If it was a 22 pistol, 
I mean, that's even cheaper than a 38 now that I think about it. And you can get those pretty right. easily. You can get a 22. I mean, and a 22 sounds like a pop, you know? You might not hear, hear a 22, but there's a number of reasons that you might not hear a gunshot. Who knows if she was listening to music? Like, like who knows? Argument could be louder than a gunshot because of, like, bass echoing in a building. You know what I mean? So I could see that. Um the one thing I wanted to say about like the actual murder itself was that there is no overkill. So it suggests that it's like not spur of the moment rage. Like somebody didn't just walk up to him angrily and shoot a whole bunch of shots at him. Somebody just one time and gone. Yeah. That's why I think of those Baltimore city walk bys. It's just like vicious. They just walk up to you, shoot you and run away and you're dead and there's nothing anybody can do. Um, and then there was no robbery. He had several hundred dollars, if not thousand dollars in $100 bills yep. in his wallet. So that tells me that the motive was personal. It was essentially like a hit. He was killed over something specific that he did or because of him. So the lack of robbery suggests to me that it's not like somebody jealous of his lifestyle. It's not like some hater that lives in the apartment complex. Otherwise, they'd steal his money, probably steal his car, right? So the one thing that everything kind of hinders on that they didn't really talk about in the article was the dynamic of the Jones, uh, Brody, Pata triangle. Like, did Jones dump Brody? Did Brody dump Jones? You know what I mean? Because like that could matter, right? Yeah, and they never could really they could they possibly that. be right. So could there possibly be infidelity? Could Jones and Brody be engaged in some sort of stuff, and Pata knows about it, and that's why they're arguing about it? That's what I started to wonder. Was like, man, you have absolutely no way of knowing what that dynamic could be, and that dynamic could go as far as affecting the way that she protects Jones in a way. Right. Because like even if she thinks like, man, I can't believe he did that, I'm, but I'm not going to like rat him out because he was my man or something like that, you know. And so it's really interesting about that. But the whole thing to me, it just like everything says this guy was killed over something personal. And the story you told about them getting into a fight at the club and a hit being put out on him, that like that's all well and good. But. Honestly, like I don't really see people that live their lives in crime. They're making a living doing it. They have to make money. They have to put up with all this other stuff. They're going to go out of their way to find this guy and commit the crime that gets you sentenced to prison or death just because he got into a fight at a bar. You know what I'm saying? Like maybe they did put a hit out on him, but maybe it wasn't like what everybody thinks a hit means where it's like, okay, we gave it to this hitman. Now there's a ticking clock before you're gone, buddy. That kind of a thing. Like, I don't really know. That sounds a little bit more of Hollywood than reality. I think the reality is there was some dispute between Jones and Pata. We have no idea what it was. We don't know if it was related to his girlfriend, Brody. We don't know. Could it be related to clubs? Could it be? I was even thinking, like, could Pata be involved in drug dealing? Very, I think he has that's... money. Yeah, cars that's very yeah easy. so you can make that assumption what's interesting i was just reading yeah. a part they don't know how many sure. gun shots were actually fired they know that one 
killed mm-hmm. him. That's how many hit. But there's, according to like, uh, quote unquote, eyewitnesses, um, that there they heard multiple shots, uh, but but yeah, there was only one that hit him. They um that they found. So I, I had forgotten that. Um, that suggests that the shooter was standing far or further away from the victim. Yeah. That means that there's a gap. It's not like the, like, I don't know if you've ever seen the wire. It's the Baltimore HBO show, but it, it depicts the stuff that happens in that city really well. I mean, there's a scene where a kid's standing there talking to his friends. He's at the edge of the sidewalk next to a light post. And there's people everywhere. It's the city. And there's a guy just like just walking down the street. Looks perfectly normal. Suddenly he just turns, puts a gun up to the kid's head, blows his head off. Everybody runs off. And that's just like that's how it happens, you know. But but the fact that there was multiple shots heard and only one shot hit him. If you were standing there with a gun pressed against somebody's head, you don't need to shoot multiple no. shots. So that suggests that the person is far back. There's you know, emotion. He's missing his shot. He's probably not trained with guns, Could things be. like that. And what um, what's interesting is, um, so I found that part. It says they estimate about two minutes elapsed between when he arrived and when he was shot. So there's like this. That's this a long two time. Minute gap where nobody was was there. So somebody could have. I mean, he could have seen the guy behind the dumpster even or behind in the bushes and like confronted him and then been like the the guy just you know was like i'm gonna i I, the reason it makes sense that it was jones is because pata had beaten the snot out of him before this wasn't the first time they had gone and so it to me jones makes sense because it's like Number number one, he wasn't at the meeting that every other teammate was at. Number two, he was probably I I they kind of made it sound like he was humiliated by Pata before. Like they got into an argument and Pata just was you know going off on him. Yeah, it's it's interesting because I got that same impression, but I also got the impression that Jones wasn't intimidated by him. Did yeah, you get that too? It, it, maybe the first time he wasn't, but maybe this time he showed up and he's like, "This time he he's was." Like, no, I'm not gonna get beat up again. If anything happens, he's dead. Like he, I'm just gonna bring this as back. It makes up. sense. I don't know. I. So I think we haven't mentioned this yet, but maybe I'll mention this real quick, not to interrupt you. But uh, Brian Pata was about six four, two hundred eighty-five pounds. He was a defensive tackle. Rashawn Jones was what five eleven, yeah, one hundred ninety pounds, cornerback. So smaller guy, and smaller guy, right? But the other thing about Jones was he was highly recruited out of he was high school. Six one, and he six fit... one one ninety five. Yeah, oh six one, six one one hundred. Okay. So uh, he was highly recruited out of high school, but he wasn't living up to it at Miami. And he was basically in his last go around there. He had failed three tests yep. for marijuana. He'd been suspended um, the day, uh, uh, that day actually, that what he was yeah. suspended from the team for marijuana. His third drug failed, or third failed drug test. Yes. So his college football career was over. His football career was over, and 
he probably isn't the kind of guy that's great at math or something like that. You know what I mean? So to me, it's like, here's a guy that's teetering on the edge of like, okay, nice try with football, but you're back to the streets. Like good luck in Miami, you know? So like, is it far fetched that somebody in that situation wouldn't commit a crime like that? And, and let's like, it's interesting you say that. What if Pata had something to do with, or, or he thought Pata had something to do with the, the test being administered or, or whatever it was. I don't know. But um, there's a picture of Jones. There's a picture of several Miami football players taking a knee before a game. And there's a large picture of Brian Pata on the field. I believe it was Jones' last game. And I found the look on his face is chilling. He's got this smirk, like, like I got you, dude type of a thing on his face, whereas the other players are, they're kind of like, they don't know how to act. Yeah. It's a, it's a really chilling picture. I'll try to put that picture up, um, show people that, but, uh, yeah, I agree. I think that it makes sense that, that Rashawn Jones did this, uh, motive might not be entirely clear and there's no physical evidence and the police can't move forward with it. You know, the other, aspect of evidence that they do have that they haven't released is there was a sketch by a witness of somebody they saw running through the parking lot. Sketches aren't really great evidence, but I mean, let's just say Rashawn Jones has a close cropped hairstyle and he, I don't know, he's African American. So that narrows it down. You know, it's not, an African-American with a beard or an African-American with cornrows or something like that. So if that sketch was released, maybe that would have people saying, oh, that looks exactly like Rashawn Jones. And the police would sit there saying, we know, but there's nothing we can do. We don't have any evidence. Right. And without a confession, there's nothing we can do. From a worker who had been there that night. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's interesting that they never released that sketch to try and help out. But yeah, just a, I mean, really well done. Like, I guess you could call this kind of a documentary, even though it's not a video documentary. Yeah. It's like a, it, it's a very well written piece. Great journalism uh, in a time that journalism yes. is mostly hot takes and not very much research goes into oh, it. I was very impressed. One sentence paragraphs. No, yeah, I, I was too. I think it was a very good article. So kudos to those ladies. Uh, I don't know. I hope I hope that that article might actually spark some interest in this case. I'll definitely post this on YouTube. Um, you know, this will be cut out of the podcast and put up separately so people will be able to hear it. Hopefully we get some people interested because I don't think that nobody should be forgotten if they've been if their life has been taken away from them and, and somebody that takes the life away and, and gets to go on with theirs. They don't deserve that right. either. Yeah. What so. was interesting too is is they actually interviewed him, um, and he said yeah. what happened twelve years ago happened twelve years ago. Um, and yeah, then he said it's. I mean, it is what you yeah, expect. It's got nothing to do with me. I didn't do it. And then he wouldn't answer any more questions about it. And so you know, it and like it's yeah. just. I guess it it really you made a good point. It really isn't that strange um, 
you're in Miami. There's a ton of unsolved crime. I think at the beginning of the article or the end of the article, they talk about how many uh, crimes go unsolved. Um, and, and it's just staggering. Like the percentage of unsolved crimes oh, is like 40 to 50%. It's, it's pretty, it's, it's worse than people would assume, you know, you watch your Miami vice or whatever the hell CBS has tried to revive from the grave. And, and, uh, those type of shows make police work look like this stupid comic book type of a thing. And it's just, it's right. not, I mean, they go and find a body laying on the street with a bullet in the head, do your job. Well, my job is there's nothing that I can do right now. I'm going to go around and ask people. I'm going to see if there's any physical evidence. I'm going to talk to the family. I'm going to whatever. But if, if there's nothing coming of it, what right. can I do? You know, people, people don't understand that. People also, I think, don't understand that, hey, the police probably worked very hard on this right away. But what are they supposed to do? Do you think that nobody else was murdered since then? There were probably 10 people murdered that weekend, maybe. You know, like, so he, he, unfortunately, he was one of, of many, and there's a lot of unsolved crimes there. They can't spend an exuberant amount of time on, on Agreed. one case. Yeah, which is, un, I mean, unfortunate that any it is crime goes un, unsolved, but it's it's the reality of it. They, they do. They have other things that have to... Um, that they have to do. They can't just put all of their resources into one crime, um, which, you know, unfortunate. And and you're right. Yeah. It, we watch, you know, CSI Miami or CSI Las Vegas or, you know, shows like that. And it makes it, you know, it, it's like a, a puzzle that gets put together in 30 minutes. And, Very good and way it's putting it. not... It's, you know, it takes no. weeks, it takes months. Sometimes it takes years and years of collecting evidence. And the problem, I think, in this case is, like, there's just no evidence. Uh, there's no physical yeah. evidence to put any... There's circumstantial evidence that would seem like, you know, why did Jones yeah. change his phone number the day before this right. happened? Why did he... Um, skip, skip the, the meeting, meeting. Yeah, why all those types of things and so yeah, all those it's things. very very interesting as to you know lots of circumstantial but like you said there's if you take something to court you have to be able to prove beyond a reasonable doubt that this man killed somebody because you don't want to take his life away if he didn't either just based on circumstantial evidence so anyways if if you get a minute, you should definitely take the 20 to, I don't know. Like I said, I think it took me about 20 to 30 minutes because I was just like, now who's this person and what's this person? And, and trying to make the webs uh, make sense. And so it, it was not a, it was not a difficult read. It was more of just like trying to get who is everybody, what is their personality and how they fit into the puzzle. So just for the listeners to know, I just Googled Brian Pata, B-R-Y-A-N-P-A-T-A. -A. The very first two hits are both the article. It's called Death at the U, Who Killed Brian Pata? So, yeah, I agree with Dr. Tyler. Go check it, it out. Was, the kind of so, creepy thing about it was the very beginning of how they found these weird, like a goat head, 
and dead chickens and a dead bird in a bottle with his name on it. Like, that was weird. <laughs> I, I don't know. Some Southern yeah, voodoo. And I, it's like, is, uh, uh, yeah, that's, that's weird stuff. They actually had to move his, his uh, casket somewhere else because it was it was mm. bugging the family which that would bug me too but i i don't understand you know is it the killer is it just somebody that was a a weirdo i don't know yeah yeah so um 